test, test, one, two, three. You know who I be. It's your boy, Dom Wall, a.k.a. Moral SP. Welcome to Embrace Matters of Race podcast. I'm joined here by the rest of the team. Got Kelly Jane here. What's happening? Uh, you know, just doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, got boy Jay here joined with us. Yes, enjoying a nice glass of Moscato here. Uh, oh my gosh, Moscato. We're going to get into that later. And uh, of course, as always, you got the homie Carl with us. What's going on, Carl? Uh, happy to have our guest. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's do what we do best. Let's embrace. We do have a guest here tonight, y'all. That's a little different from my, from how we usually get down. Um a friend of a friend, now he's our friend, uh, Josh Dickerson, a fellow Richmondtonian as the rest of us. How you doing, Josh? What's up, man? Doing good, everybody. How are y'all doing? <laughs> we're, you know, we're doing good. It's Solid. Thursday night, right? It's Thursday night. Happy baby if Friday. <laughs> right. If you're baby listening, <laughs> if you're listening, we record this podcast nine o'clock, really late to us at nine o'clock um, <laughs> when everybody's asleep. <laughs> Yeah, so Josh, you uh, you know, he, you know, Dom just mentioned you're a Richmondonian, which, by the way, I think it's Richmondian, right? Is it? It's or Richmonder? Richmonder. Yeah, Richmonder. Okay, gotcha. so, and, uh, the, I, and I would the, even go the, a step the further. The whiter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I would even go a step further and say I'm a short pumpian. Short pumpian. Oh, that's yeah. different. a West Ender. The West End. You, that currently, you currently live in the like in the West End short pump area? All my life. Okay. So I guess we'll kind of get into that when we go through some of the uh, the rest of the podcast because oh, yeah. my, mine's a unique take because I grew up in short pump when there was nothing out here. When it was yeah. just farmland. And and so I'm I'm pre Walmart. Pre Walmart. Pre Walmart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, and I, Man, I, I, what did we'll you get do without all the savings? I looked at the stars because you could actually see them. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, let's go ahead and knock out the shout outs uh, and then we can get into it. Uh, shout out for real, for real. Uh, shout out to all our listeners out there, man. Shout out. We don't have, well, I, I'm not going to put words and I'm not going to put stuff out there that I don't know too much about, but I'm not, I'm sure we don't have that many listeners, but we have some. And I want to shout them out, man. I want to shout out those who already follow us. If you're not, if you're not following us currently, uh, follow us on Instagram at embrace underscore podcast or Facebook at embrace podcast. Um, follow us to become a part of the conversation. You know, uh, you can leave comments, you can leave reviews. Uh, there's posts every day. There's different quotes every day. You can always become a part of the conversation. Um, in another episode, I have. Uh, a direct quote from a listener that I want to shout out, but I'm gonna say that for a different episode. I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna say that one. Oh. But uh, shout out to you guys. You guys are awesome. Already supporting us. Uh, hopefully, you're out there embracing your communities just as we're trying to embrace ours. So, uh, how did we get here to this episode? Well, uh, how, <laughs> I was like I'm trying to figure out how to word this, but how did how did Josh and I cross paths? Uh, well, first off, I would say as a podcast, a lot of you guys, a lot of you listeners out there, uh, you know, probably don't like Trump that that much. <laughs> That's to say it the nice way, I guess. Like, you know, I, I see it in my timeline. I, I hear it when I talk to people. A lot of people are like, hate this man. Um, 
And their, their question always is, why would someone vote or support this man? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's been my mission to find out because it's important to me to make sure that this podcast stays true to why it was founded. And that is we support both sides of the view. We stand in the middle between two parties that are in constant conflict. That's our purpose. We're trying to unify the people. We're trying to gather the two sides to reconcile. And in order to do that, we have to make sure that we're presenting clearly people's point of view, even if we don't necessarily agree. It's important for us to listen to one another. It's important for us to remove ourselves and you know, pour ourselves into uh, other people's interests, look into other people's interests. I know we say that all the time on this pod, that you're, you're supposed to look into your neighbor's interests, remove yourself and learn and learn and listen to someone else. And we've been saying it a lot, but now we get to, to do it. We get to put our faith in action um, and do it tonight, actually, with Josh here. So, Josh, we're so glad that, that you've joined us, man. This is this is us living out what we say. That's how we got here. Yeah, and I, also I, I work at Tuckahoe Middle School. If you guys shout out to Tuckahoe Middle School, um, and uh, your wife is my coworker. So that's how me and you met. Go Patriots. Go. <laughs> go go Patriot. Not the football team in the NFL. No no no. Let, let me yes. Yeah. Go Tuckahoe Middle School Patriots. Middle school Patriots. about <laughs> the Patriots in the NFL. All right. I thought we were we were okay with not being a one-sided podcast here, guys. Let's That's a good point. I do not support. At least you have a football team. Mine is the Washington football team. Right. <laughs> we, uh, me too. That's we already agreeing on something. <laughs> we won that first game and haven't won a game since. <laughs> I, how is that different from any other season That's we've true. had in the last you know, twenty years? That's so true. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, awesome. Let's jump right into it, man. Uh, here we go. Uh, first question, Josh, uh, describe what it was like where you grew up. I know you talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but uh, just kind of describe, give us a little background of uh, where you grew up and what it was like. Sure. So I, like a, a native of Richmond, grew up in Short Pump, born, uh, born and raised. Um, for those that are familiar with uh, short pump or the West end. Um, yeah, most definitely. If you know where, uh, the strangest florist is way yeah. out on broad street, mm -hmm. that, that was the only thing that was out here when I grew up. Right. So, no mellow mushroom. No, 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 no. That was all farmland. Um, actually. And then I grew up on some acreage that had been in the family for, I was the fourth generation that grew up on that piece of property. Um, and yeah, I was, like I said, I, I was there before Walmart. Mm -hmm. I, I remember when Walmart was being built and the, going into the first day and it was the craziest thing, you know, you'd, you'd ever seen, but that was the, the pebble that got thrown into the, the pond and it rippled from there. Mm -hmm. and next thing, you know, Barnes and Noble, the theater, the mall, um, so, excuse me, growing up out here, uh, you know, there, there was nothing. 
I was the first kid on the school bus in the morning because the bus had to actually drive all the way to Goochland to find a place to turn around. Mm -hmm. And I was the last one off at the end of the day because of how far out I lived on the western end of the county. Um, so like I said, grew up on a piece of property. Um, you know, my, I'm the youngest of three. So it was my, my parents and then my older brother, older sister, and myself. We had a house. Um, my grandparents lived on that property. Um, so I spent a lot of time around them because my parents both worked and my grandparents um, either worked from home or were retired. So I spent a, a lot of time around, uh, around them. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, that was, that was my experience, you know, growing up. So not much to do out when it was still the country at that point. And it wasn't like, you know, going in and being in a neighborhood and having a bunch of neighborhood kids to, to play with. Mm -hmm. So anybody I interacted with, they were all considerably older than I was mm -hmm. because it was either my grandparents or their contemporaries so um yeah a little different growing up and i was the youngest of all the grandchildren my brother and my sister and my and our uh, our cousins were all closer in age so they all got to run around together and have fun get in trouble together <laughs> where i was you know the, the youngest so i didn't have that that luxury so when was this so um i was born in uh 1979 uh, and I've got an interesting day in history. I was <laughs> born the day the hostages were taken in Iran. Okay. Wow. So it was November 4th, 1979. Wow, November baby. And I'm November 10th. Yep. Dominic, when's your birthday? November 7th. <gasps> wow. And then my daughter's is the 14th. Uh -huh. so, yep. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, 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 hey, I was. What about, hold up. What about all the other birthdays and all the other months? Why are we just all just supporting the November birthdays? Oh my gosh. Dang. That's what we do. It's about Josh today. <laughs> I, yeah, I was born the day the hostages were taken in Iran. And it was kind of a running joke when I was obviously that little. They knew how old I was in days because you would watch the news and they would say it's day 200 of the hostage crisis mm -hmm. and then it was oh he's 200 days old today so it's like okay great nice statistic, wow. <laughs> statistic. Goodness gracious. So, so um yeah growing up in the west end i mean there, there was like i said there were strangers and the next thing you would hit of remote civilization would would be innsbruck other than that there was there was nothing out here yeah. just a bunch of, of you know raw land and farms that had you know been in families for you know a long time yeah what so, uh what else is what so what are some significant changes in richmond from i guess geographically where you were in short punk to downtown since then what have you noticed oh well by far the mall um, that was the, the I think the biggest impact, um, particularly when you grew up out here and you knew that was either just a spot where somebody's home was. Um, I think the uh, and then moving closer um, into the the city would be the all of the development that VCU has done around the city of Richmond. Um, and as a VCU grad, um, you you got to see it and Be part and of it, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, I mean, let's see. 
probably the newest building at the time when I was there was the um, was the arts building on Broad, right at uh, oh what what Arts road T's and uh, right next to the Siegel Center. Right, I guess right, Siegel right. Center and the in the on the arts building were the, were the, gotcha. the, the two biggest uh, the parts for for me going to VCU at the time because mm -hmm. I spent most of my time over. Um, you know, the business center and the, uh, on the main street side of campus. Right. So, nice. yeah. um, let's that. see. Uh, and then, well, my favorite building in, in all of, of the city of Richmond, the Capitol. Mm. Um, beautiful. Oh, it, that was actually like one of my, um, favorite first dates. Huh. I, I would go, go on a Sunday afternoon. And we'd, you know, we'd meet down there and take a tour of the Capitol because you, if you liked history and you got to see a truly magnificent building and a beautiful building um, and, and the, the, the seat of power and how decisions are made for us as everyday citizens of Virginia, that's where it happens. And that's to me, I, I worked down there for a couple of years and it is a truly... I, I don't want to call it a magical place, but it, it is something, it, it, is, it is very captivating. Mm -hmm. If you ever get a chance to, to go and sit and actually sit in the gallery and listen to debate, it, it's just very impressive. Um, yeah. Not to mention all the architecture and all of the work that they've done. And actually I worked down there at a time where they were going through the renovation of the Capitol and the it was 2007 and the last time there'd been a renovation of the Capitol had, was in 1907. So these guys are peeling back wallpaper and paint mm. and, and they're finding all of these layers of what different administrations, first ladies, governors mm. had decided to do to spruce up our Capitol. Mm -hmm. And, and it, 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 I've got some pictures of them kind of in the stage. And, you know, so one half of the picture you see is the current taupe paint that was on the wall. And that's on the left side. And on the right side, you see this beautifully calligraphied mural and artwork that was painted over. Mm -hmm. And they're restoring that to get it back to what it was mm -hmm. uh, and then the fact that they could go and look in the records at the um at the library of virginia and find out what we paid for those through the years mm -hmm. um, there was some stenciling work that was done in one of the senate chambers mm -hmm. and that went back to the 20s and they found the the receipt for that and i think we they paid a guy like two or three hundred dollars to do all that stencil work it was incredible yeah yeah richmond is like Super, like I, I will say, it's definitely a town where it holds a lot of history, and there's a lot of interesting places. Um, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, what type of people did you grow up around? Would you say, like, you know, just trying to understand more of the the diversity in Richmond, uh, or even in the area in Shore Pump during that time? Well, I, well, for me, primarily, I mean, it was family because we, you know, all most lived on that property, right. um, and. It, you know, I was looking at, at at some of these you know questions before, and it really got me thinking about 
who was I around and who I interacted with. And so uh, the, most of my time outside of my immediate family was with my grandparents and folks of their own age, whether it be friends, family, uh, so folks that were considerably older than I was. So at a young age, I, I became very comfortable talking to folks that were older than I was. Yeah. So, so I, I even, you know, like I said, as, as a teenager could carry conversations with folks can much older than I was and was very comfortable with it. Um, yeah. As I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that's really impressive. I was super awkward around adults. So. <laughs> um, and then as um, my, my dad worked in uh, construction, he had his own uh, concrete business. And so in the summertime, as I got to be, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, I would work with, with him and the folks that, that worked for him in, uh, in the summertime. And they were, uh, you know, kind of a hodgepodge of, of, you know, every group, you know, you could think of, uh, but the, the core of them were predominantly black. So, I, so in the summertime, you know, working with them, it's a hundred degrees, you're pouring concrete and, yeah. you know, it's, you, you bond pretty quickly over that because you're trying to get the job done and, and get out of the heat. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel that. Um, what was your, so you, you said you, you went to VCU, right? I did. Um, what was your college experience there like, especially from living in shore pump up i would say uptown i would call shore pump uptown uh to go to go downtown to did you live on campus i, I i'm not going to go describe your your college experience so good question did, did not stay on campus um, okay, okay. one it was expensive two i i didn't have an, an, an interest in doing so i feel you um and then plus i worked as well so when i was working i was my job was out here so it would it just wouldn't have made sense to, right. to live downtown. Um, but you know, college was um, was a good experience. I, I went right in um, right after I graduated high school. Went to VCU. Was there for about a year, um, and then at, at that point, my my dad had passed away. He had died wow. in the uh, in December of the year I was a junior in high school. Wow, and so it was just mom and I, because my I, being the youngest of three, my, my older brother and sister had already moved out and kind of started their their lives. Mm-hmm. So it was just mom and I. And she came to me one day and she said, um, "You know, would would you be willing to take time away from school and work full time and you know help pay some bills around here? Mm-hmm. And I'll get you back into school as soon as I can." Uh, if you don't want to do that and you want to continue with your education so you don't get behind like, you know, your friends are, then, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I mean, I, that's not a problem at all. So I, I quit school um, just, or just did not go back and uh, worked for a couple of years. Uh, in the meantime, she uh, met a, another gentleman and they, uh, had a courtship, if that's still a, a term these days, yeah. and uh, and they got married, and they've been together for for over twenty years now, mm. and and he was a big proponent of um, higher education, uh, and this is a guy that's built high rise 
for most of his youth life and for the last 30 years has been a realtor. And he has always said, I want, I want my kids to use their head and not their back mm. to work. Mm. And, and so, you know, I want to get you back into school. And, you know, not only did I finish, you know, one undergrad, I went back a few years later and finished a second one. And, you know, thanks to him, came out of college with zero. That's great. So he, he claimed um, you as his own. Absolutely. To this day. I mean, he, he, um, <laughs> loves, you know, loves me like his own, loves my wife like his own and, mm -hmm. and Dominic knows my wife and knows how hard that can be. Um, <laughs> no, Jesus, we are, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, he's he, listen to this. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I I'll didn't just say make anything. I'm in the other room. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mean, he, you know, it just, he has just been absolutely 100% supportive of us. And, and that's a, that's a, that's a relationship that you know, I, I wish everybody could have. And, and mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that, that folks don't, I've, I've been, I say, I've been blessed to have two men to call dad in my life mm. where, where many, they're very fortunate to have one. Right. Right. I'm also blessed to have two um in my life like i would say my stepfather stepped in more financially uh you know it's, it's like you know my father he was more for other things and then uh, my stepfather found his niche in how can i support dom with the doors that are locked and they're yep. locked because of finances they're locked because of you know maybe the opportunity isn't there you know so my stepfather was, he still is to this day. He's like, I'm, I'm going to be the guy when, if the door is locked, I'm going to blow it down, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I feel that. I feel that, Josh. Um, here's a, <laughs> uh, this is my favorite question. Uh, describe the perfect Friday in your household. Like, like, like walk us through it too, Josh. Like, don't, wow. like, you, you wake up, like, like, you know what I mean? Describe the perfect Friday. Kids and all. Kids and all, okay. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> You're like, do my kids have to be there? <laughs> Fair point. Well, on Thursday night- Maybe not tomorrow. With, with, <laughs> right? Hey, and this, is the, this is your perfect Friday. So Thursday night, they could have went with grandma and grandpa. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay. describe okay, the perfect Friday. Go. All righty. Um, well, I- I guess it would vary on whether my wife was with me or not. If she was with me, I would want to go do something with her, whether it was, you know, take a trip, a day trip somewhere and go do something mm -hmm. and just spend, spend time with her because having two kids, by the time we see each other at the end of the day, it, you're not at your best. Mm -hmm. So just to, you know, spend some time with her. Um, if, if she had to work and it was just me and the kids were at school or, or a grandparent's house or whatever, um, I would probably be at the pool room as fast as I could possibly get there mm. and spend as much time there as I could. Um, that's another odd, odd little side note of my life. I've been an avid player for, oh, let's see over 20 years. Um, I have played in tournaments come on give I've, it to them. I've uh, I'm actually the the director and promoter of the state championships the it's the Virginia State nine ball championships 
Okay. I've been doing so for, uh, let's see, 15 years, 16 years. And actually, this will be the first year because of COVID that I, I won't have the tournament. Yeah. It's just Come from a cool. health perspective. Come on, Jay. Challenge him. That's awesome. I'm, I'm ready for a challenge. Here you go. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, I haven't. You know, I, I get to play, you know, a handful of times a year whenever I get a, a, a pass to go out and do so. Do you have a table um, at home? So I don't. I, oh, okay. I had a choice when we moved in to either have an office or a pool room. And yeah, the that's table just did not quite fit. So I, I went with <laughs> office and now it's paying off because since COVID, I actually have an office to work in. There you go. There you go. My sister I, I plays two. in a league. Oh, really? Yeah, in Chicago. It's two leagues, actually. Yep, it's a lot of fun. I played yeah. years of league, and um, I and I'll tell you another interesting fact: the longest running professional nine ball tournament. anybody anybody got any idea where it was held? In Richmond. Close. Sure, Chesapeake. Chesapeake. Hey. The Hampton Roads, Norfolk, Chesapeake area. There was a gentleman that owned a pool room down there, and he started the U.S. Open nine ball championships just like us golf, us open and golf and tennis and you know it started at his pool room he had it there for years you know he'd draw 50 20 players and by the time the nines rolled around you know after the the killer money hit it was such a, a big movie it was a, a, a kind of a you know shot in the arm for the industry it really got the industry got to a a, a pinnacle at that point to the point where he was having the tournament in a convention center and was garnering uh, 200 players, almost 300 players from around the world, over 20 countries. Mm -hmm. So, and, and that was just a couple of years ago. Um, but it, to me, it was, it was incredible as a player because I could drive two hours and sit 10 feet away from the best players in the world. Mm -hmm. I feel that, bro. Yeah, man, we, we might have to get, you know, you and Jay on the table one day to see see who comes out on top, <laughs> man. I probably will get like one ball in. I'm sure he'll 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 uh, whoop me on this one. Always a sign of a good hustle. It, it, <laughs> yeah, I'll only hey. make one and then, uh, you know. Do you think you could have beaten uh, Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Oh, absolutely not. Not, not no. Not when he brought out Lucille. Not, not with Lucille. No, I couldn't have won. <laughs> I got you. Um, so, counter question, or you know, a little differently, uh, what would you say a typical Friday was like when you were growing up, opposed to what it is now? Oh, that that was easy. Um, spending actually spending the night with my grandparents. I mean, now, I that was literally a, a ten yard walk. <laughs> Uh, to, to spend an evening with them but my uh, my grandfather had a, a satellite dish so he would get what was TBS at the time or WTBS at the time TBS now the Disney Channel um, so you know that was unheard of in, in the 80s and uh, you know we would watch you know old reruns of you know Disney programming uh, for those that are old enough to remember the old black and white Zorros yeah and um, what they called legends and heroes, Swamp Fox, uh, John Slaughter, who was like a Texas Ranger. Um, you know, we watch you know programs like that and and just uh, you know play games, enjoy each other's company. Just be you know grandchild to grandparent, spending that that time together. Right, right. Um, that's awesome. Uh, what are some important values 
to you, to you would you say that's important to your prosperity your family's prosperity what do you think are some important values that are needed necessities oh well first and foremost family mm-hmm. I, I think that that's um a, a big driving point um because family uh, and and family can be blood or not in mm-hmm. in my opinion i I've, I've got some you know family that um i would trust with my life and i have others that you know i i wouldn't <laughs> to, to, to just leave it at, at that um trust is, is a huge piece of it um and i think mutual respect mutual respect is is a very important thing Um, and it kind of goes back to our discussion this evening um, where we may not agree on who the right candidate is for whatever office you want to talk about but we we each have our reasons why we support the candidate we do and and i will you know respect and defend your right to do that all day long because I, I would hope you would do the same for me. Right. I feel that. Um, how, has your, how has your view of the world and America changed over the course of your life? I guess let's you know, start with where, I guess, what you thought of the world in America. And then I guess, how has it changed over the course of your life to now? Tough question, but a good question. Um, I, I think the world, well, I think... I don't know. I, the world or, or the or the United States. Let's start. Let's start with the United States. Okay. Um, I, I think the United States, in certain aspects of it, has lost its faith in itself. Mm-hmm. Is maybe a way to describe it. Um, has lost maybe some sense of its value or value in its people or or what we were founded on. Um, Can I pause you right there? Sure. Just ask you to like, what, what values do you think that America was founded on? Um, Freedom. I I think is the, the biggest all around piece of it because we had, we had folks that started this country that, were being oppressed by a ruler that gave them no say in in what they could do uh you know what they were taxed on how they lived their lives mm-hmm. and if they did speak about it they were killed right they i mean they would have probably even gone as far as saying if the king would give us representation in parliament, who knows whether we'd still be part of the British Empire at this point. That's true. That's true. That's so, um, you know, one of the, the biggest defining moments I can think about it in my life that was heartbreaking, but like a phoenix rising out of the ashes after it was 9-11. I, th- I think everybody can remember where they were the, the day that happened. I was actually in, in school um, at, at VCU 
and um, I had woken up. It was about almost nine o'clock. I turned on the TV, and you know it was the first plane that hit the Tower One, and. I'm, I'm thinking I'm watching an HBO movie, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is getting ready to, you know, shoot somebody now because they've attacked us. So I try to change the channel to a local, you know, channel 12 to see what's going on in the world. Cause I know the news is still on. Well then when I hit one, two on my remote, the channel didn't change. Mm-hmm. And I realized, well, wait a minute, something's going on here. And then as I'm thinking that the second tower got hit. Wow. Wow. And, you know, so you, you get up, you get dressed, you're trying to process all of this. I went to school. I remember the streets of Richmond, even around VCU, is, was just eerily quiet. Kids were just moving in small groups. And mm-hmm. if, if there was anybody on the street. And I was going to a criminal justice class. And, you know, it's in one of the, the, the big um, presentation rooms, you know, 200 people. And uh, there was a young lady sitting six seats down from me and she's nervously chewing on her fingernails. And just to kind of break the monotony and the silence in the room, I kind of lean in and I say, this is pretty wild, isn't it? And she says, yeah, Yeah. Uh, my dad works at the Pentagon and I haven't heard from him yet. And I don't know if he's okay. And and then I never saw her again after that. So I don't know if something actually happened to her dad or she just, because it was a 200 plus seated room, she just decided to sit somewhere else. But, you know, we're coming up on 20 years next year and that's, is still with me to this day. Uh, But now that after that part, even though that happened, just the, um, the amount of love and, and patriotism and just love of country that was shown after that was, I mean, we hadn't seen anything like it since World War II. Yeah. And, yeah. and none of us were old enough to remember that but if you've seen any footage i mean just the way the country pulled together after pearl harbor to to just band together and sacrifice because that war had to be won there's a reason they call it the greatest generation yeah. and the more i thought about it getting ready for this podcast i spent a lot of my time growing up around the greatest generation Mm. so their values and and their you know their um their conviction was you know being instilled in me and and not even really knowing it just by being around them got you um how how has that shaped your political philosophy (laughs) um interestingly uh, my my grandparents um were were both you know, Democrats at the time. Um, I, I don't know what they would be categorized as, as now. Um, my dad, you know, we never really talked politics. I did get a chance to have conversations with my dad about politics because yeah. I was, you know, I just turned 16 and, you know, when he died. Um, but one thing I do remember as a, as a kid working in the summertime with him, you know, when you're driving down the road and going to the job site or, you know, going to see this person or that person, um, you know, we always had the radio on. So we were listening to, you know, whatever music I wanted to listen to. Mm-hmm. But at noon, every day, he would automatically switch it from FM to AM and he would put on 1140 WRVA. And 
you'd hear this weird music start and then this guy just start talking mm-hmm. and he wouldn't stop talking so as a kid as a teenager you're like i don't want to hear this what what is this nonsense but you know does anybody know who that is he still does it to this day it is absolutely rush limbaugh all right i get the prize two points jay gets two points i was gonna guess that too my my father listened to that in the car all the time yeah i and as a kid you just bored you to tears and you know it's like can we get back to the music and and just you know sometimes you would hear it and you'd pick things up as you go and now i find myself when i'm in the car listening to you know sometimes a talk radio on you know serious in in the car or um a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, actually, John Reed is on WRVA in the mornings. Um, he would actually, I think, be great for the podcast, too. I'll try and get you guys you know, hooked up because he does that radio program every morning. And he's he's got a great story um, and, and very strong in his in his uh, convictions about what he believes. Um, and he's been nominated three years in a row as the best AM, you know, radio program in, in Richmond. Um but um, you know that shapes you, in and just your interaction with, like I said, the the folks I you know spend time around, my grandparents, um, and then just as as you get older, you start thinking about more things. You you start thinking about things in a different light. Um, so for me, starting college, and then taking a break and working and working full time to help make sure the lights stayed on at the house and the, and the, and because bills don't stop, right. They, they, they just, they, they keep coming. So at a young age, I learned the value of a dollar quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, most kids, when they go to college, you know, mom and dad put a couple hundred dollars on their, you know, on their card. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's supposed to last them, you know, X number of weeks or a month or two, and then they've blown through it because it's so easy just to swipe the card right. and get the food and get the drink and, and get whatever. And, and then when they come home for a weekend, Hey, I need more money on my card. Well, they go, well, hold on a minute. What'd you spend it on? Oh, you know, whatever. It just goes. Mm-hmm. But if they had to work for that dollar to put that money on that card, mm-hmm. they would think twice about certain times of just swiping that card because it's so easy. Right. Yeah. 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 It's interesting that we're kind of circling around the idea of values um, because I think that's something I'm like really trying to like consider when I'm reading posts or like hearing things from people um, that have different views than me. And it's definitely not as simple as Democrat versus Republican. It's a lot of different things, but um, like I, one time in a job, um, it was more so in the context of like self-care because it was a really stressful job, but we were like being taught to kind of like really know what our values were. We had this like long list of different values and they were things just like loyalty, compassion, tradition, um, integrity, like these things that are all good, they're all good. Like it would be really, really hard to argue that like honesty matters more than loyalty does. Like they're, you know, they weigh the same. Um, but just because of what 
our experiences are, they just shape how we view things and like how much weight we give to things. Um, and so that's kind of what I come back to when I am finding myself disagreeing with someone is just like trying to think like, okay, what is the value that this is really about? Um, and is it um, correct or is, is what they're valuing actually something that is good versus, I mean, obviously if you're valuing like hatred or like disunity, like that's not good, but it, it would be really hard for me to argue with someone and be like, well, you care about integrity too much. Like instead you should care about poor people. Like, <laughs> you know, like they all kind of weigh the same. So I'm kind of wondering with like, this is just what I'm picking up on from what you're saying, but it seems like you really value hard work. You really value um, like financial stability. You really value history and tradition and like being well-rooted in what's actually like happened. Um, and I think those are all great values. And I can see how that would shape how you would view someone's political views um, or like actual policies. Yep. Um, Whereas I didn't grow up, well, I did grow up in a very conservative household for sure. Um, I didn't grow up around like a lot of adults necessarily besides my parents, those were really the only adults I talked to. So I didn't really get that same like instilling of like, same connection, I guess, to like history. I think I'm like, whatever's happened in America, if it was good, cool, but if it's bad, like, let's fix it. Like, there's not much, like, weight that I give to where we've come from as a people. Um, and I think that that can really shape how I view certain policies as well, or even how I view certain statues being pulled down. Um, I know that that is really positive for some people and really negative for others because if you value America being rooted in its history or if you value tradition, like pulling down a statue is going to completely like be offensive to that. So yeah, I think it's just important to pick up on what people are valuing and understand that they're just as valid as the things that you value as well. Can I ask a question? Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I'm curious to kind of, to pull the, the podcast um, because it was, since it was brought up. So the, so the monuments. Do you guys agree, and, and I will just kind of keep it simple to, to, to two ways. Should they have been taken down or left up and then had, um, uh, what's, what was the what was the term they used? Contextual um, markers put in place along with them. And, and why? I didn't even know that was on the table. Yeah. Um, I think it should have been left to the majority. I'm either way i think the statues are a form of idolatry um and point. We, we put up signs symbols uh, murals idolizing people who can be problematic on either side uh, people are fallible uh, but there was a reason why those statues were erected and the reason why they stood up for so long and there is a reason why they came down and i think the people who either were you know were able to cast their vote should have that should have been respected 
but right now the majority is the people that took it down um and this reason why they're not going back up and i don't know it's 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 become something across the world it's become something across the country where statues are coming down whether people understand whether they are not and that's the scary part mm -hmm. yeah um i'm not gonna stick too much on it but um, yeah. i kind of agree with carl when it comes to i don't really care either way <laughs> um because <clears throat> in my opinion not that they didn't have an impact or an effect on me every time i would drive down monument avenue um obviously i took notice um does it have too much of a bearing on my life not really but that's not to say that i understood where i was um in the sense of you know this is virginia this is good old virginia <laughs> and this is richmond um i know who i am i know where i'm at and i know what this statue is representing and i know if this person were actually alive how they'd feel about me so that's that's a, like i'm aware of that mm -hmm. i'm aware of that but it's not going to stop me from doing anything it's not going to stop me from living um it's not going to stop me from pushing forward and uh you know preaching the gospel and hoping people unify um and if that means you know taking them down take them down I, it, like i said i don't really care too much but like carl said um you know i think it should have went to the majority um but yeah just for the white privilege with that is just like i have never had to think about what a statue like if a person had been alive what they would have thought about me when i go down monument avenue i'm like pretty houses man i love it in the fall time like, <laughs> i love the fall time <laughs> not really thinking about like the purpose or the even political push as to why these monuments were put up in the first place so i just want to point that out um yeah my my one thing with the monuments was this the general assembly voted on a process to follow for taking them down mm -hmm. and then that process never got the opportunity to be put into motion because i mean they they had voted on it there was supposed to be you know, public notice time for the the public to come give their two cent worth and, and this this very very fine, clearly defined process and that didn't didn't even get an opportunity to to get traction it became the the folks in the moment that just decided it was time for, for, to come down and the in richmond you know, city government just bent to that and took them down um and and that part like i said the my biggest gripe of it is the process didn't get a chance to to go through, which I think is very similar to what Carl was saying. Yeah. Um, if if you went through the process and the vote still came and it and it was still the vote was going to take them down, okay. That's why they say you know, you've heard I'm sure a lot this year. Elections have consequences. Yeah. This really isn't a consequence, but this is a reaction to elections. Yeah, and, sure. and who you who now represents uh you know the commonwealth um don i have a question that might lead into the the meat of the discussion that helps um so we were talking about values i think on either side people could have shared values um but i think also 
where we end up on either side of this spectrum, I was talking to somebody about this today, is what drives us is our experience. What experience or what part of your values led you to uh, become someone who would vote for the president we have now? Well, I had spent up, actually it's funny, up until 2016, I'd spent about 13 years being pretty politically active. Like mm -hmm. I said, I worked at the General Assembly, had helped on some campaigns, was very right. active in my local um, Republican party. And, uh, and just decided in January of 2016 that I had had enough, I needed a break. I'd been you know, very, very engaged. So, and by that time I had been married, had a two-year-old at the time and just needed a break. Um, and then I, I'd also seen what I thought of up until that moment was the, the good, the bad and the ugly of politics. Um, the good for for the most part is what you see at the Capitol. It's healthy discussion and respectful back and forth. Um, that the the bad and the ugly is the the campaigning piece, which is what we're all living through right now. Um, and that that that's the roughest part of it, um, and, it and it's the most difficult part of it because it's it's your word against theirs your beliefs against theirs. And in the middle of all that, you're just trying to raise money so you can keep your message going. Um, so to, to look, looking at 16, he wasn't my first choice. Um, he, but the more, the more folks, and, and I'm going to speak in broad terms, not just for myself, mm -hmm. but the more folks listen to him on the debate stage with the 15 other Republicans that decided to run that year, he clearly defined himself as the anti-politician and even kind of poked fun at himself. He's like, yeah, I give all these guys money. I give Democrats money. I gave Republicans money because that's what I did as a businessman. I greased any palm I needed to grease because I was trying to do what I needed to do to run a business. Yeah. And, and he spoke very plainly he spoke the way i think most of us think you know wish we could speak when it came to matters of of you know political belief um or, or just very not polished one of the biggest things from you know to that well particularly in 2010 and moving forward you had a lot of folks saying that that politicians gave answers without answering it's because they don't want to offend somebody that could potentially vote for them. Yeah. So they, they craft their message so carefully as to not offend where Trump was a New Yorker and they live for offending. <laughs> it, I, I've got a, a dear friend in, in New York and, and that's one of the things, I mean, she just absolutely, absolutely loves about him is he's just a 100% New Yorker and says it like like it is and yeah. you know doesn't care whether you agree or not um and that's what distinguished him from the 15 others and then when you got to the general you had the anti-politician running against the ultimate politician <laughs> mm -hmm. she she yeah. had built a career out of it um 
and the, the crazy thing, I don't know if many of y'all know, any, uh, any of y'all know this. Do you know she, as a young, a young girl, Hillary Clinton was a Republican? She was, she, she and her family actually supported Barry Goldwater in 1964 against Lyndon Johnson. She was, they had young women that were, they called themselves Goldwater girls and supported him, yeah. Mr. Conservative. Um, interesting guy, definitely look him up. Um, the father of modern conservatism is the, the, what they call him. Um, and then how she has, has she changed through her life and became the presidential nominee for, for her party. And um, I think quite a bit of the resentment towards Trump besides his brashness and his wild comments and in his <laughs> rudeness um, is the, he denied who a lot of people felt should have been the person to break the glass ceiling and be the the first woman president. All right. So you're, you're saying like a lot of what you feel like a lot of the resentment towards Trump is because he beat out Hillary, who would have been the first woman president. I think that's part of it. I think a lot of it is his attitude and how he carries himself and um, some of the, you know, statements he makes or uh claims that he makes uh and and <laughs> the 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 thing i wish he would rein back over all these these years is his twitter i mean his his twitter is uh is is wild um, wow. i'm not on twitter i just see a lot of them just either in comments in the news or people repost them on social media right um so, but, but that's also a ploy on his part. Um, it's, it's kind of a, like a magician. It's the, the sleight of hand. He's got you looking at his Twitter comment and the most outrageous thing he just said on one hand, where the other hand, he's getting something accomplished that he wants to get done. Is that why you think he gets such a bad rap with most people? I think it, I, it absolutely plays into it. Because I mean, how often can you call somebody crooked, or sleepy, or lying, or <laughs> what, whatever other, low energy, small hands, whatever other names he gave to people? I mean, we couldn't get away with that. Right. We, we'd be called out in the street if if we tried any of that stuff. Um, but he did it in such a way that people were just drawn to it and it, they'd never heard it from someone running for office before yeah so what what i'm hearing you say is that like it was appealing to him he just seemed like a real person like he just seemed like he could kind of relate to people instead of being this like overly shiny prestigious uh double talker double speaker yeah I, yeah that's a great way to describe it i mean he he it, a plain spoken person mm-hmm you know, you, you, because sometimes when you, you hear people speak, it's you, you're like, you know, man, that's that's a what a college education will get you or that's what going to this law school will, will get you this polished answer where, you know, Trump didn't have that. And he was just you know, he was just a businessman that had to that built a quote unquote empire from whatever you want to you know, uh, say he built it from, um, he would say he built it from nothing. Others would say, no, you know, you had a few million dollars to start that nothing. So I, you know, it was just 
different than he distinguished himself from everybody else on those stages. Yeah, that makes sense. I've never thought about Trump like embodying the American values that a lot of people hold to, like being a hard worker, kind of just being like, I think like America values, well, some Americans value like kind of the average Joe being able to make it. And like, yeah, like you said, he had a couple million dollars seed money, but like the fact that he like talks and presents himself as like a very normal person, um, I can see that appealing to you. Yep. The other important part too is the messaging through that campaign because I mean, we've we've become more and more of a country of, of very small attention spans and we we live in the snippet or we live in the soundbite or we live in the tweet so um and and every campaign tries to, to do it um locally when when bob mcdonald ran for for governor his his snippet was bobs for jobs he was all about getting the economy going and bringing more jobs to Virginia. Yeah. Um, hope and change was huge. Got him elected twice. And then, you know, Trump took his and make America great again. That was actually part of a speech that Reagan had given sometime back in the 80s. You, you can go right. find it. Or right before his 80 campaign, he was on maybe Ellis Island because you could look over his shoulder and see the Statue of Liberty. And, you know, he was kind of kicking off his campaign about making America great again. So Trump took that and ran with it because there was a, a sentiment at the time or a feeling at the time in the country where America was, had, there was this perception that America had lost some of its greatness somehow. Mm -hmm. And he was going to be the guy that brought it back. Yeah. And that resonated with, well, a, a, a majority of the country and um yeah got him elected yeah yeah um yeah that's that's great and i'm glad we're getting into this um i'm, I'm actually a two-part question okay um, and teeter to both sides answering both sides so in what ways do you feel like trump has made the country better like what are the positive things that you've seen him done he's done um, you know, how has he made the country in a whole better since he's been president, but also uh, critique him? What do you think he can improve um, on other than just, you know, hey, bro, stay off Twitter. But like, <laughs> how could he how could he improve in making the country better uh, also? So two yeah, question there. substantially. OK. Um, for, for what he's, he's done, you know, well, um, he's, he has seen the value of the judicial branch and he's made it a point to fill vacancies in courts. Um, because I'll, you know, folks get wrapped up like we are right now in the Supreme court and he, he's had, you know, now three opportunities to put Supreme court justices on, and that's unheard of in, in a presidential term, much less a two-term president. But, you know, more importantly, it's the the seats below the Supreme Court. I mean, he, he has put quite a few judges on, and that's one thing I've never understood about, uh, you know, any executive 
uh, that or anybody that's been president rather why when you don't have that opportunity to to fill vacancies that you don't do that um, particularly when you when you feel like you would have the votes in congress to to get them passed um his his tax reform not only helped companies but also helped uh, you know i think a good amount of middle america see more money i, I actually just did a I had to think about it since 2016. Um, and for those that, because we didn't get into this, I, I come from an IT background. Right. So I, I spent a lot of time doing uh, QA work, business analyst, and, and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, I've had five jobs from 2016 un, until today. Um, one of them was actually substitute teaching at Tuckahoe Middle School for a short period of time. Hey. Yep, it was in between gigs, and then we said, "We well, you ought to come over and, and help." So go I did. Patriots, am I right? Sorry. <laughs> yes. Go Patriots, am I That's right? That's right. And and in every one of those jobs, with 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 the exception of the the substitute job, obviously, um, I've had an, an increase in the pay for every one of those jobs that I've had. So it, it just on a per, from a personal standpoint, it helped me and my and it helped my family. Um, for the First Step Act, for those that aren't familiar with it, was criminal reform, was real important to me. I mean, I had to go back and kind of look at it because it happened a few years ago, and I, I won't bore you guys with details, but you know, it 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 kind of leveled the playing field for criminal reform because I think we can all agree that depending on what you look like that has an impact on if you're standing in front of a judge, what type of sentence you could get. Right. Um, and then, you know, we, we've been involved in some pretty, pretty crazy wars, obviously since nine 11. Um, but when he came into office, you had a group that controlled a decent, corner of Iraq and a good amount of Syria, talking about ISIS. And, you know, he, he got some boots on the ground, but, you know, handled them to a smartly and uh, using technology against them to the point where every ounce of ground they had gained through time was given them actually back to the countries that they belonged to. They didn't belong to the, the caliphate that they had put into place. Mm -hmm. Um, the the economy i mean you can just if anybody's vested in the stock market you can just look at it and see what the numbers are doing it, it's pretty crazy i actually had to go back and look at what the market closed on election day of 2016 and it was 18,000 and change the on december 31st of 2016 it was already on the cusp of 20,000 points and I don't know where we were at today because um, I, I don't follow it close enough. Um, but I mean, we're still well over 20,000, probably 25, $27,000, 27,000 on the market. Um, I know that doesn't help everybody, uh, but it's, it's uh, kind of a flashy point of, of what the economy is doing. If you're referring to the Dow Jones. Yeah, it's at, 20, yes. it's at 28,000. It's over 28,400 right now. And that's crazy. Thank you. Because I, I meant to look before we started and I forgot. Um, and then what could he improve on? 
um, tone down the rhetoric would, would be helpful. Um, he has said it, and but I, w I wish he would do it more, be willing to work in a bipartisan manner with the, the folks on the other side of the aisle. But that only goes as far as if they're willing to work with you. Um, and, and that's part that's that's something we can get into, I guess, a little bit later. But, you know, there's a, a an extreme lack of bipartisanship right now in in government, uh, particularly at the federal level. Um, and there's a whole theory on that that we like I said, we can get into later. Gotcha. Um, he likes to think of himself, I think, sometimes as an expert on everything. But the, the, the value, the valuable part about being president is you surround yourself with smart people that are smart in their roles and let them advise you. And then you have to take their advice. Do you um, think which, he's leveraging so, that? Not to its full potential. I, I think certain things he, he does and then other things he, he just says, I've got it. I'm going to go talk about it and it'll be fine. Um, and, and too many times, you know, things get politicized mm -hmm. and, and that goes for him and the, and the, the opposition to him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's some key things that if he's given an opportunity to, to have a second term that he can absolutely work on and improve. Um, but like I said, once again, it has to be, if there's, a willingness to do that, a, a willingness to work together. And it goes back to, I think, you know, what we've been talking about, mutual respect. I don't think that the Democrats in Congress respect him at all because mm -hmm. of his brashness, because of the crazy comments and, and the things he does and says. And they just, they will rarely give him a victory. Mm. They'll only give him a victory if they think it can benefit them politically as well. So like a, a good example was the First Step Act. That was voted on with huge bipartisan support and he signed it. Yeah. So depending on who you talk to, is that a win for the White House or is that a win for Congress? They're both gonna claim victory because it's something they can tout when they go back to their district to get reelected. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I wanna switch gears a little bit here um, only because it's, these questions are kind of like a wedge mm. and we're kind of zeroing in a little bit more and more um, to even where I may come into play or uh, personally, you know, um, because, you know, like, like we've even said a number of times on this episode is that, you know, we, we don't see the same things. Um, and like Kelly Jane alluded to is that we, we just grew up different um, just briefly, you know, I'm from Northwest DC Um I wouldn't say I grew up poor, but you know, it's not like we was bumping out here. <laughs> um, I moved to Richmond when I was still pretty young. I uh, went to elementary school. You know, I was the token. You know, I was. Yep. I went from Chocolate City to you're the you're the only chocolate <laughs> person in this school. <laughs> um, and you know, I kind of I grew up that way. You know, in Richmond. Um, you know, I come from a background of uh, being teased. Uh, you know, for my size, for my color. Um, I've dealt with a lot of different um, situations in which it was, there was no question that it was 
race inspired, you know, like, um, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've dealt with a lot, you know, this, this podcast is not about going into those things right now, but that's the, the background of me, you know? Um, so when, when I look at someone like Trump, I'm like, oh, just like, you know, I, I said with the, the monuments, I'm like, okay, based on what I've seen from you, I could probably guess that you don't like me very much because of the color of my skin. At least that's what I get immediately. Um, doesn't mean I can't sit down and have a conversation with him. Actually, if Donald Trump came on this podcast, I would be the first to be like, most definitely. <laughs> uh, I would love to sit down and talk to this man so I can understand him. Just like I'm, we're sitting in and talking and understanding you, you know, because um, that's the point. The point is unity and understanding. Um, because it's important for, for us to share our stories. Everybody has a story and it's important to gain these stories and hear them. Um, because they're valuable. Um, so I, I guess for, for people like me, um, you know, I, I will say even briefly, politics has never, or at least my struggle, my family struggle has never been political. It's been used as a political, uh, you know, platform um, many times, but very rarely has that ever equaled out for the black community, in my opinion. So, you know, I even told a friend, uh, a little while ago, I was like, man, you know, to keep it a buck with you, it don't matter who, what two people you have up there, it's not going to fare well for the African-American community. At least it hasn't, you know, um, you know, like, it, like Hillary Clinton during the Clinton administration, she's, she coined the phrase super predators. Um, you know, I can, we can go back and forth to each, each candidate, like, you know, even now it's just like, I don't know who to vote for, for real, for real. Um, it's kind of like the lesser of two evils, at least from my perspective. But I guess- And that's we, what a lot of politics is now, unfortunately. Right, right. Um, but uh, my question is what like in your words aren't the African-American community seeing with Trump? Like what are, what are we missing? Unemployment numbers? Because unless that touches you directly, unless you- were unemployed and because the economy started booming and you got a job because the economy was booming, it's it, it doesn't impact you directly or you didn't have a family member that was looking for work and then found work. Um, and, and, and that's a slippery slope because folks will say, you know, the economy was starting to roll towards the end of the you know, last few years of the Obama administration and Trump's reaping the benefit of it. Um, mm -hmm. And that argument could be made at, for any administration, I think up until you know, Reagan, the, the, you know, just the economy was horrible under Jimmy Carter. And then, you know, when Reagan came in, the economy kind of, you know, boomed and went from there, but that's not the subject for right now. Mm -hmm. um, I th looking at what he's done for um, historic black church um, colleges and universities, the money that he's he's helped once again if you're not in college or an alumni of that college if you mm -hmm. don't see it or it doesn't impact you directly yeah. it's it's hard to understand you know yeah. that he's done that but hbcus um, are important to most black people i would say absolutely they're around even if i didn't go to hbcu but they're important for me to stay around absolutely yeah. um and, and then uh, you know even if it's just little things if if folks aren't paying attention to, to that he, he's done them, um, it um, and I, I, I may get this wrong. Didn't he make 
Dr. King's home a national monument or a historical site? I mean, that that would you would think would be a logical thing that mm -hmm. President Obama would have done. Mm -hmm. it, it was just kind of it was the natural fit, uh, but it took Donald Trump of all people to 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 make that happen. And somebody please fact check me on that because I want to make sure we, we get that accurate. Right. Um, you, you are correct. It was in uh, 2018. He signed uh, a law uh, into law a bill designating the Martin Luther King Jr. historic site in Georgia. Mm. So. Uh, you know, so it's and probably like I said, we talked about it before um, the uh, the First Step Act. He that was, I think, a, a huge thing, particularly for folks in the black community, if they've ever been arrested or had a record. Mm -hmm. that it it helped not streamline that's not the the word i'm looking for um like the one thing i remember about it just most prominently is it went back further on i guess the 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 statute time on it than when it was first put in through the obama administration i think they had a cap of year 2000 uh I can't remember what the year was, probably 2014 or something like that. And, and then the version that Trump signed, which was an, an addition to that, took it back even further. Um, and then, uh, like I said, we, there, there, yeah. I, I don't want to just throw stats at you, um, but absolutely go look at the First Step Act. Um, but once again, if you haven't been impacted by it or you haven't had a family member impacted by it, mm -hmm. it's something that falls through the cracks. And it's, it's also something that if you don't like the president, you don't want to give him any type of, you know, win. Right. And there's so much animosity towards him. Mm -hmm. The last thing they want to do is, is give him a W. Right. What are um, maybe not African-American, but what are uh, just, you know, non-Trump supporters seeing? not seeing what are they not seeing because that may be a different answer or maybe the same answer i don't know i think i think they're blinded by just the the pure not liking him mm -hmm. it's just like i said what he says how he says it the tweets the um you know denying he personally denied the the first woman president now you know come on if he, he didn't do that alone um there, there was a majority of folks that that voted for him and it's you know the electoral college is a game of monopoly it's a strategic game you have to know how to play in order to win um if you go look at the numbers that night when he won he was winning districts in states that Obama carried both times by and and not only did he carry them, but he carried them with in with when he beat McCain in 08. And then he carried them by a wider margin when he beat Romney in 12. And then when you go look at 16 and some of the counties in Michigan and Indiana and Wisconsin, you there were they showed the numbers that night in 2012 that one particular county was as blue as blue could be and four years later it was as red as red could be yeah. 
question. Um, it, I, yeah, I think they just are, are, are blinded by the hate. It's just, it's just pure hate. And mm. you know, no matter what he does, he'll always be wrong. Gotcha. Um, and I, we're going to actually wrap up here. I got one more question and then uh, we're going to give some brief last thoughts and then I'm going to close. Um, Cause you know, obviously uh, there are those who don't see it the way you do and still support Trump, I would say. Um, so I guess even with what we're doing here from what you know or your background or the people that you know uh, and stuff like that, uh, if you could give advice, advice to other Trump supporters, what would it be? Stick to facts. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't, don't use sound bites. Don't go off of what you read on social media mm -hmm. because and this is to other people who support Trump. Yeah. I would say the Trump supporters and folks that disapprove of him, mm -hmm. um, you're safer in facts, not your version of facts, but stick to facts. I've tried tonight to stick to facts as best I could without getting into, mm -hmm. you know, deep one way or, or another. Cause I do, right. you know, I have friends that, you know, just nothing the president does is wrong, mm -hmm. but I mean, nobody's perfect. Right. God has never used, he's only used one perfect person hey. depending on your faith, what you believe. Um, but you know, three people come to mind that, that God used that were far from perfect. Moses, Judas, and Paul. If you, if you don't know who they are, go look them up. They were far from perfect men, yeah. but God had a purpose for them and God used them to his glory. Right. Um, and, you know, I, Trump's far from perfect. And right. you know he he's being used, and, and as a as a for for good, bad, or indifferent. For you know some folks mm -hmm. see him as good, and some folks see him as evil, um, but he's being used. Um, and um, I, I just encourage folks, like I said, to 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 do your own thinking. Don't don't just leave it to the soundbite or what you see on, you know. <laughs> Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, go look at, at go go look at even certain media outlets. It, it's even tough because they all have gotten away from being reporting the news where they're now reporting opinions. I totally get that. It's a uh it's not just looking at certain media outlets one over the other, but it's about having enough understanding to drill down to the facts. It's like people, you know, in a trial, you know, the evidence has to be corroborated. You know, when it comes to the news, those, those facts, those sound bites aren't always corroborated. They're either the, the latest piece of news or they're shared with omission or they're shared with some slant. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't think everybody shares the news unbiased. Um, so it, it's on us to, to decide that before we start to 
start arguments yeah. or, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, it was funny when Trump did get COVID, I was looking at every article that was being posted on the internet about it. And yeah. it was so crazy, just the different, you know, message that was being sent with different, you know, from Fox mm -hmm. News to CNN, it was just like nine day. They were using the same quotes or there was like a block of text and they would pull out quotes from that and use it to their advantage. So I definitely can see that, um, that we are very influenced by the media that we choose to trust. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, just to close, let's get some final thoughts, uh, basically on, um, you know, why this conversation is important, like why was what this episode was? Why is it important? Why should we even, you know, do this with other people, with people in our neighborhoods, with people at our job and workplace? You know, like why is conversation like this important? Maybe something was learned. I know I learned something um, tonight, but I guess let's get some final thoughts real quick on the importance of this. I think what's important is how we're coming away. Um, I really appreciate your, your boldness and your courage, Josh. I learned a lot tonight, not just about you, but about what it means to have a sober mind, regardless mm -hmm. if people disagree with you and what you shared has not just informed me about Trump supporters or Republicans or people who don't look like me. Um, but it's important informed me that there's like, there's a segment even within um, your party, within your race, within um, your region of, of our city, that there exists somebody who has noble character um, well beyond, um, you know, people who are very passionate and feelings driven um, on either side. Right, right. Yeah, I just think it was refreshing uh, to hear from you, Josh, and uh, just to, get to learn your story and uh, your views on Trump and and everything. I think, yeah, it's it's much different, of course, than just seeing people post stuff on Facebook uh, about yeah. their political. Yeah. You really, you put you really put a face to the name. You really get. Uh, to know more about the person, you get the chance to really try to understand and empathize with somebody and where they're coming from, about why they believe the things they believe, why they have the political views they have. And I think just more conversations like this need to happen uh, with one another if we hope to continue to uh, uh, grow as a country. And uh, yeah, I think it also just goes to show, I think, um, between both parties, I think there were definitely some common values. I think that uh, that we all have, or things that we're striving for, uh, that we all hope for as citizens of America to to, to attain. So, uh, I think that was really helpful tonight, and uh, thank you for for joining us tonight, Josh. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Um, I want to choose my words carefully, um, Josh. I definitely. <laughs> Um, my clothes be really important to me, uh, the listeners know, but Josh, I, I can't express how grateful I am that you came on the show. Um, it, this is pivotal and instrumental 
and what our purpose is, what our mission is. And that is, like I said earlier, is that we are trying to unite these two people and, you know, and these two sides, quote unquote sides. I hate when people start referring to the left and the right. I hate it. But, you know, we're trying to unify these things. And it's important to note that, you know, I, I get it. People that don't support Trump, they, you know, they're yelling and they, and they have a reason. They have a reason. And I, and I know when I hear that reason. Okay. And a lot of that I agree with, but we can't ignore that people that support Trump or support what's been happening, quote unquote, um, have a voice too. And they have a reason to what they're doing. And it's not just, they're all evil people. Okay. I do not agree with cancel culture. Like I'm not canceling nobody because that's not what Jesus leads me to do. Right. But it is important that the people that I may not agree with, or you may stand on the opposite side, I'm using the word opposition in the sense of, we don't see eye to eye on this subject, right? It's important that there's love there between us and this understanding, and that we both understand, understand each other's story, right? So that we can then move forward to make a better community, right? We now, as Embrace Matters of Race, we understand your story. We understand your values and what led into what you support and what you see. That's your life. And we hope the, the listeners, I was going to say viewers, like they can see us, but the listeners can hear and understand that too and be like, you know what? That Those are some valuable points. Okay. A lot of them may have rebuttals, but that's why it's a podcast. They can talk all they want to in their headphones. <laughs> they can't interrupt you. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the important piece of this episode. Um, you know, I will say to both sides, I'm not saying this to either one side, but I will say this to both sides, that beyond an election, beyond what's happened, you have to see the bigger picture of our country is being torn apart. Yeah. Our country is being torn apart. Okay. Um, I don't care who you support. It's important for us to listen to one another. It's important to us to understand one another. It's important for us to share our history and stories with one another. It's important. It's important, okay? I wanna share this, cause I always gotta share what God has to say. James four, one and two, it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Think about that. What, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And I know there's a lot of people that may not rock with God like we do, and that's okay. your choice, but I will say this, we haven't been asking God for much and not much has been happening. I'm gonna say that again. Mm -hmm. We haven't been asking God for much and nothing's been happening. What I will say is we've been being, been, we've been pulled farther and further away from one another. What this podcast is about is that we, as a community, we start to embrace. 
So if you were listening tonight, you enjoyed the episode, check us out, become a part of the conversation. And I'm gonna issue a quick challenge. Talk to somebody in your workplace, you know, in your community, have a conversation and just try to listen, even if they disagree, even if they're wearing a Make America Great hat, Make America Great Again hat. Amen. That's their life. Seek to understand and see how you guys can work together to make a better community. Okay, let's embrace.